Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, goes on the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up with a head to the side. At the 30. Derrick Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's got Derrick Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons Cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Evan, how you doing on this glorious Friday, my friend? Doing pretty good. Uh, just getting ready for the Buccaneers preseason finale, so going to be talking a little bit about that. And then there's been some major news that, we pretty much covered, but now it's official, so we'll be talking about that as well. But uh, like I said, sort of ready for this game to be over with because I'm ready for the real thing, but uh, still football's football, so happy to that's back. Hey, let me put this disclaimer out there, by the way. I opened the show last time we talked to you guys, and I said I, I made an announcement. I confessed I thought this was a safe place. I said that uh, I made the mistake of saying that I may may or may not have watched the entire second preseason game against the Jets, and there were some people that let us have it. And you know what? Rightly mm-hmm. deserved. Rightly deserved. We shouldn't mail it in. We've been doing this podcast long enough to where we know the work that we have to put in. We know our quality of content that we put out. So I would just like to to issue a formal apology <laughs> for for skipping preseason reps, and I want everyone to know that you and I both, Evan... We'll be watching every single snap of the Bucks ravens game uh, this coming Saturday because not only do we have a lot of position battles yet to be determined on this team, we are also going to be getting our first look at the first team starting offense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In case you've been living under a rock earlier this week, it was announced that Baker Mayfield is now officially the QB1 of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, putting an end to that uh, quarterback competition. I don't know if we should call it that either. Um, But Baker Mayfield was officially named the starter, which means after Todd Bowles confirmed this week that everybody will be playing against the Ravens, it means it'll be our first official look at Baker Mayfield with guys like Mike Evans, guys like Chris Godwin, Rashad White's going to be running out of the backfield. And and these are going to be important reps for all of these guys as they gear up for uh, week one against Minnesota. But there's going to be a lot of action in the first half of this Saturday's game as opposed to maybe these first two preseason games for people looking for more of a reason to tune in. Uh, you're going to get a good look at this starting offense this week. Yeah. And we don't know exactly how long they're going to play. Um, so a little bit of a disclaimer there. We're not sitting here saying, Oh, you know, the whole half or this and that it could be a few series here and there. Um, we don't know. Uh, Todd Bowles has said that everybody's going to play. 
He didn't say how long they were going to play. So that could mean short. That could mean long. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, obviously, the longer you play, the more risk of injury there is. And this close to the regular season, uh, even if it's a minor injury, could impact your status for week one at this point. So I think you want to be a little bit careful with that. But you're right. I mean, to be able to see, hopefully, you know, the starting offense with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and I, the starting offensive line, the full starting offensive line with Tristan Wirth being at left tackle, Matt Filer being there. Assume Robert Hainsey probably because Ryan Jensen's not going to be playing. We'll discuss him a little bit later. And then, obviously, another opportunity for Cody Malk and Luke Gedeke to prove themselves on the right side there. Uh, Rashad White, yeah, excited to see. I'm excited to see, like, the wrinkles and that they're going to put in with this offense. And, again, just like we talked about with the previous two games, you're not going to see the full playbook. Like, you're not going to, you know, don't judge Dave Canales' offense by how they do with the starters for a quarter in the third preseason game. Um, but I am curious to see, are we going to see anything a little bit different maybe with how they use Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or Rashad White in this game? Is there going to be any sort of difference or is it going to be pretty vanilla? Could be pretty vanilla, not going to lie. But it, it will be interesting to see whether they do something different with an, any of those players now that they have you know, the, the ones uh, in, in order. And then obviously the starting defense as well, which we haven't seen really at all uh, the preseason. Obviously, you saw Baker Mayfield. Uh, you saw Kate Otten a little bit. You saw some of the offensive lines. So you've seen some of the offensive starters. But as far as the defense goes, you really haven't seen any of the starters play. So I'm curious to see them as well. Yeah, Baker Mayfield at the quarterback position. Obviously, what's going to pique my interest the most is with some of these guys in the preseason who are fighting for a roster spot, who are playing every week with a purpose, you know, finding consistency in the preseason is one thing. But on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Baker Mayfield, who, again, just got the starting quarterback job this week, but did not play at all week two of the preseason. Uh, went out there, put together a great drive and a touchdown, showed the Bucks exactly what they were looking for in that first game against the Steelers. but. Here we are. Kyle Trask got pretty much the entire game last week in New Jersey. So Bucks are back at home and uh, Baker is going to get a shot out there with the first team offense. But where is he going to pick up from? You know, not only are they going to put in some new wrinkles into the offense that maybe he hasn't run in game time situations before, but maybe he's going to have to shake off a little bit of rust from not getting those reps last week. Maybe he doesn't. Right. And maybe that gets people more excited for what he can potentially do week one against Minnesota. But again, all eyes going to be on Baker Mayfield and how he plays having some more legitimate wide receivers to throw the ball to. But let me ask you this, because right behind Baker Mayfield on my priority list of what I want to see, number two, it probably should be number one at this point, but this offensive line, uh, you had mentioned the right side of that line, you know, Cody Malk, Luke Gedeke really getting another crack at it with some live reps going to be playing against the uh, the Ravens first team defensive line more than likely. Robert Hainsey going to be the guy at center yet again. And uh, as of right now, it seems like he's going to be the guy at center week one against Minnesota. We talked about a week ago about Ryan Jensen's injury and uh, how he just has not practiced, um, did not play at all in the first preseason game, didn't play at all in the second preseason game. Jensen has been out at practice, but he has not had pads on participating in over two weeks, um, which obviously is not a step in the right direction for a lot of people who have been focused on this long-term injury. There is a report now, according to JoeBucksFan.com, Ryan Jensen will not play in the team's regular season opener against the Vikings. More than that, there are concerns around the building that Ryan Jensen's career with Tampa Bay might be over. Quote, 
there are concerns at one buck place that Jensen may not play again for the Buccaneers as his injured knee has not responded the way that he and the team had hoped following his return from injury against the Cowboys in the playoffs last season. It's always worth noting the contract extension that he signed just a couple of years ago and the fact that he's 33 years of age. So, again, this growing uneasiness, here we are yet again. Last year, we had no idea what was going on with Ryan Jensen, but we knew it probably took him out for the season. This year, I feel like we have even less of an idea, even though we already thought we had a timetable in our head. But now we're all the way back to square one because uh, whatever's going on with them, whatever kind of, of, of bad news they have been getting, uh, the Bucks have kept it close to their vest and, and they're not releasing a lot of information here. Uh, so going forward, we only have to assume Robert Hainsey is going to be the guy until he's not. But as far as Ryan Jensen goes, if this is something that after week four, five, six, he still does not look like he's going to be back, I, I kind of tend to agree with uh, what some of these reports are saying and that he he may not play in a Bucks uniform again. He, he may not play in the NFL again. I hate to sound dramatic, but I mean, we're not getting good news here as time goes by. Hmm. I, I wonder, you know, who else sort of alluded to this, um, that this could mean uh, sort of what we've been saying here. Um, it was me, by the way. But uh, <laughs> no, it, 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 I didn't have any inside sources or, or anything with that. Um, I'm not claiming to, but it was just a gut feeling that I had that, like, I thought his career was in jeopardy. Like, I, I did. And, and people, you know, honestly, uh, the, the people who flat out asked me when they, they reached out, you know, via DM or whatever, if they asked me, you know, if we were just talking and they asked me, I said it straight. I, I said that I don't believe that Ryan Jensen will play for the Buccaneers again. Uh, I do think that Ryan Jensen's career is likely over. And I am not a doctor. I've never claimed to be a doctor, but it just seems to me they are going completely backwards. And just like you mentioned, that age, it's not going to get any easier. It, it just it isn't. So if you're this bad now, what's it going to be like in a year when you're a year older? It's just it's not going to get any easier from here. And that's why I have that concern. And they've been trying out Robert Hainsey at center. They've been trying out Nick Leverett at center. Robert Hainsey did a, a fine job last year. I wouldn't say he was great. I wouldn't say he was awful. Um, he, he was fine. I think Nick Leverett's had a pretty rough preseason from the center position. I think he's definitely more of a guard type. But, I mean, if you have to have him as your center, like in a pinch, I guess he could play it. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't feel great about the future of Ryan Jensen in Tampa Bay. It sucks with the contract because, like, they're basically on the hook. And they also restructured his deal this offseason, so they're really on the hook. Um, so it's going to be something where the Buccaneers are going to have to eat it, probably, if they want to keep it on their books. and just They're, they're going to have to eat it for a few years, probably. And it's out of their control. It's out of Jensen's control. And now some people will say, well, you know, why didn't you get the surgery? Why didn't you get this, that? Look, we don't know exactly. <laughs> We don't know exactly what the injury was. Um, and, and that's something that's a little bit frustrating that the Buccaneers won't disclose that. They don't have to disclose that. It's not like we don't have a right to know um, what exactly it is. If they choose and Jensen chooses not to, 
that that's that. But um, yeah, we we don't know what surgery would have been performed, how it would have responded to that. Um, and I'm sure Jensen wanted to have a shot at returning last season. And I'm guessing if he would have got surgery, that would have meant there's no way like you're done no matter what. So I don't know if the, the playoff game really caused much. I, I really don't. I don't I don't know if like. He said he shouldn't have played, sure, but like I don't know if that's the reason that like I think his career's in doubt. Because I think the injury was the injury. Like I, I think that's what it was. I don't think it's him playing a, a, you know snaps in a playoff game in one game that set it over the edge. But um, yes, clearly something happened because I mean he was practicing. He wasn't doing much eleven on eleven, really doing none eleven on eleven. Uh, was practicing, wasn't really in pads much. Was in sort of like shells and stuff. And then all of a sudden stopped and hasn't practiced since. And it's almost been about three weeks. So he will definitely, I can tell you right now, he's not playing week one. Uh, that's just, that's not going to happen. Um, can he start the season on, on IR? Yes. I believe for the first four weeks. And then the Buccaneers have to decide what they're going to do with him. Because I believe after the four weeks, if he stays on IR, he will be out for the season. So to me, it's a big key. If by week four, you're still hearing negative things to me, it's not only means his season's over, but I think that means his career is over. So I don't want to speculate too much, but now that, you know, publication like Joe Bucks fan has put out there that like, there's some in that building that are concerned with the, um, the long term uh, with Ryan Jensen. You know, I wanted to share, you know, my opinion on it that I've had really ever since he stopped practicing. Uh, I didn't have a good feeling about it and we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully I'm wrong. Right. And hopefully everybody else who's in that building that thinks that's wrong as well. Like I don't want to be right because Ryan Jensen's a really good center. He's a top three center went when healthy probably in the NFL. Um, so it's a big piece of the offensive line and it's unfortunate because it's not really a age declining, like declining in play thing that has done it. It's simply hasn't been available. So um, it is unfortunate, but uh, hopefully he can get back on the field. I just have my doubts about that right now. Yeah. It's always a tough situation when an injury becomes just too much to handle. You know, it seems like it's out of his hands at this point and He's been rehabbing. He's been in the facility. He's been getting work in as long as he can possibly be doing so. Again, got the chance to play in Tom Brady's final game, that playoff loss against Dallas. But here we are, beginning of the season, and uh, it's not looking great. You know, this time of year, if you're a veteran, especially a veteran coming off of injury the year before, we remember how easy they were on Chris Godwin when he was coming back, and he he found his pace, right? Took him a little bit to get full speed, okay. but he found his pace. It was you know, similar structural damage as to what Ryan Jensen had, but a similar amount of time has gone by. And, you know, Chris Godwin would practice and then be held out of practice for maybe two, three days in a row. And like, nobody's really going to raise an eyebrow at that, but three weeks, as you had mentioned, since the last time Ryan Jensen's practice, uh, just not a very promising look, but well, and, and, and Chris Godwin's like seven years younger than Ryan Jensen. Is, right. So seven years younger, a probably a hundred, maybe 125 pounds lighter. You know, there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a lot of different variables that go into it, but when you're dealing with structural damage of the knee, like both of those guys were, uh, it's a very slippery slope. So obviously, fingers crossed for Ryan Jensen, and, and hopefully, and, if we and, get any positive updates to share soon, we'll uh, we'll send them your guys' way. Yeah, and go with Godwin versus Jensen. Jensen plays a much more physical position. Yeah. 
I mean, he's getting hit every single play. There's some plays where if Chris Godwin don't get the ball, he doesn't get touched. Jensen's in the trenches there doing the dirty work in the run game and pass game. So it's a tough position. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he can make it back on the field. We all know he wants to. Um, he definitely does. Or else he, if he really had no desire, he would have not played that playoff game and called it a career right then and there. But it is unfortunate the timing with the contract. Um because it is something that the Buccaneers couldn't have predicted and it could hamstring them for uh, a little bit here, but it is what it is. Looking at Saturday night's game, I wanted to talk some more about the Buccaneers offensive line and what you're going to be looking for. They will get a look at Baltimore's starting defensive line. Uh, Big nose tackle Michael Pierce should get some playing time. Broderick Washington in that defensive end position. Are there any other players on that defensive line or just the defense in general that you think could be an issue uh, for the Bucks O-line, some of those younger guys in particular, you know, Luke Gedeke and um, Cody Malk on the right side of the line going to have a lot of eyes on them. Yeah, I mean, I think the Ravens have um, one of the more, I, I think they're one of the more complete teams in the NFL. Now, obviously, health has been an issue for them over the past few years. It seems like them and the 49ers are the two teams that, like, no matter what team they field, um, it always seems to really have a lot of injuries involved. Um, as far as specific players, I believe what his name is Jason Owe, uh, a Penn State guy. He's a defensive end, so I'm going to keep an eye on him versus the Bucks. As far as the Bucks' offensive line goes, though, I want I want to look at Matt Matt Filer. Um, I am a little bit concerned about Matt Filer because everybody's like, oh, he's got he's got this experience and this and that. He's been a starter. Okay. Why did he sign for almost near the vet minimum then? Like, well, and, and why, why, does, why was there no more interested teams then? And why and why does he have zero preseason snaps up until this point? I I, I know yeah. that we had talked about it on the last episode, but you know, let me get your thoughts on that as well while we talk about it. Some of the more experienced guys on this team who have yet to get any reps until this point. I hate to say it, but like Mike Evans is is understandable. I think Chris Godwin is is somewhat understandable. Tristan Worse. Even though he is switching over to a new position, yeah, I don't agree. I that. don't feel shaky, but it, it or I I do feel shaky. Pardon, but it is also kind of understandable why he has nah. not played. Uh, it's a different position. He's got to play. I agree. I do agree. But what I'm saying is, I can understand why he hasn't. You know, there are certain guys on this team like Mike Evans. I don't, I don't care if Mike Evans gets zero preseason snaps. I don't. I it just for Mike Evans, he's the kind of player. He's established enough. I don't care. Levante David, if he gets zero preseason snaps tomorrow, I do not care. Even like Devin White is kind of a guy where I don't really care that much if he doesn't get those snaps. But there's a couple of guys like that left on this team. And of course, Matt Filer, the one that you had started to discuss a minute ago. Yeah. Um, no no disrespect to him, but like Matt Filer is an all pro guard. Right. Like what has he done to, to, to earn like besides you being just terrified of injury, like dude, injury can happen to anybody at any point. Like you throw your entire healthy team out there week one, they could all get hurt. Like it, it, it can happen. I, I just don't understand you, you. The offensive line looks completely different from what it did a year ago. Completely different. The only person that might be in the same exact spot that they were last year, week one, was Robert Hainsey. And Robert Hainsey was only in because of an injury. Like it's crazy. That's the o- that is the only person who will be in the same exact spot. And it's the crazy. Only person. Two of your starters weren't even on the team. It's crazy when you think about the turnover at the offensive line position because this time a year ago, 
we were talking about not only were we talking about what this O line is going to look like beyond Brady, but given the Jensen contract and the Shaq Mason contract, we were like, all right, shoot both of those guys in, you know, and here's Shaq Mason getting ready to go play a season in Houston, if I'm not mistaken, and Ryan Jensen riding the bench for now. So again, just the turnover and how different this offensive line looks. If anybody says that they were prepared for this, they're lying to you. Yeah, it it is it is a major major question mark. If, if the Buccaneers, if you know all the national pundits and everything, and all the pessimistic fans are right, and the Buccaneers win three games, it's because of two things: one, the the quarterback situation is ain't good, and two, one of the reasons the quarterback situ- situation ain't good is because the offensive line is just terrible. Right. It just it, it hasn't worked. Cody Malk hasn't transitioned to the NFL. Matt Filer's showing you why he was available for the price he was. Robert Hainsey's okay. Tristan Wirf struggles at left tackle. Luke Gedicke struggles at right tackle. Like that's a reason. Like that can lose you a lot of football games. And like the Bucks offensive line last year wasn't the best. It definitely wasn't as good as it was in 2020 and 2021 or even 2019. But I think Bucks fans got a little bit spoiled. <laughs> and I think you might see at times this year in certain games, certain matchups, you might be like, like this offensive line is completely overwhelmed because not only do you have a lot of shuffling, it is a lot of inexperience. One of your more experienced players, Tristan Wirfs, is playing a brand new position, which he has never played in the NFL. Then you have Luke Gedeke, a second-year player from a small school. You have Cody Malk, a rookie from a small school. You have Robert Hainsey, who's okay. He's a veteran, but like he, he like he, he's a fine player. He's not anything to write home about. And then Matt Filer, who's definitely a veteran, but again, how much does he have left in the tank? Is, is he a guy where it's like, oh, that's that's a good like you're saying, oh, that's a good piece in March, and then come November, you're like got to replace Matt Filer. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm interested to see. And I think those are two things, the quarterback situation and the offensive line situation that just could completely sink them this season. Yeah, I know that we're going to do our season prediction show. Well, probably next week, maybe the week yeah, after. Yeah, sometime be before. probably next week. Yeah. yeah, and I know that we'll probably get into some more detail as far as bold season predictions. We'll do that on that show. But if I had to make a prediction right now for any part of this team, that part of the team being the offensive line, it's going to take them, I think, four or five weeks to really settle in. And if we're going to see this team commit, like, let, let's say, God forbid, the first four weeks of the season, uh, Dave Canales really wants to commit to the run, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, just because. And like, I'll tell you, you what, some of the defenses are put. Minnesota's no slouch, yeah. right? Chicago's had their struggles, but they're on the, they're on the come up. You play Philly, then you play New Orleans. Like, if the offensive line gets off to, and then your bye week, you could be zero and four the bye week. Like it is not out of the question to be zero and four the bye week if this offensive line and Dave Canales struggles out of the gate. Which, again, Dave Canales, inexperienced play caller, it could happen. Like, like it could happen, folks. I'm not saying it's going to, but it, it definitely could. I, I think the inexperience along that offensive line is is what's going to take some time. Uh, Cody Malk. The adjustment for him, I mean, we've already seen it in the preseason playing against second and third string defensive linemen. Um, But, you know, that small school aspect, you know, not every single offensive lineman the Bucs take from a small school is going to be a stud, right? They're not all going to turn out to be Ali Marpet. I mean, Ryan Jensen, a small school guy, 
Alex Kappa, a small school guy, but yeah, but the, the Bucks didn't even draft Jensen. So right, that's fair. Uh, so with that being said, I think for Malk, it's going to take him a couple games. Uh, I'm I'm high on the guy. I think he has a high ceiling, but I think it's going to take him three, four, five weeks. Tristan Worse on pace to be one of the greatest offensive linemen in Bucks history, and I think when it's all said and done, he will be. But it's going to take three or four weeks for him to get used to, you know, taking almost 100 snaps a week playing left tackle. It just is. It just is. And and he could be going up against Daniil Hunter. He could be going up against Hassan Reddick. He could be going up against Cam Jordan. So, like, it's not like it was easy competition. This is some of the NFL's better pass rusher here. And you know what I always say? You know, you know what I always say about Ali Marpet. Ali Marpet was the exception Right. He he was not the he was not the the standard. Right. Right. He was the exception, not the rule. Um, Small school lineman. Yeah. And and the thing that worries me. Okay, you said, oh, Cody Malkin will take him a few games. It's what you're saying about Luke Gedeke, too, last year. Didn't happen last year. Right. You know, didn't. Two, three games turned into four, five games. Four, five games turned into seven or eight games. And, and by the eighth he, game, and then he was sitting. And by the eighth game, we're like, God, this guy sucks. And, and before <laughs> you know it, you know, Nick, uh, Nick Leverett was the guy for the rest so of the year. So that's, that's my worry. Like, and that's one thing I'll criticize Jason Light on is that I think sometimes he can be a little bit too cute with that to try and find the small school stud that, oh, nobody's talking about and this and that and invest. High draft picks in them. It's not like they're taking them on day three. Right. Luke Gettig was a second round pick. Cody Malka's a second round pick. Robert Hainsey was a third round pick. Now, Robert Hainsey is from Notre Dame. That's obviously a big school, but Ali Marpet was a second round pick um, or a third round pick. One of the two. Alex Kappa was a third round pick. So, yes, Alex Kappa worked out. Ali Marpet worked out. Alex Kappa, it took him about a, a year or two. Hey, he made his um, money. He made, but, his but money, he, made you know? he turned into a good, not great, but a good NFL starting guard. Like that's that's what I think you hope Cody Malk is like a good NFL starting guard. Anything more than that's a bonus. But um, you do have to be patient, and I think fans are going to have to be patient with this offensive line. And if they're zero and four the bye week, I know that zero and four would definitely mean no playoffs. I understand that. But also, this is going to sound a little strange, but if they're 0-4, I wouldn't necessarily hit the panic button either because I just think you have to see a few more games of this team. And I I just think that with this offensive line and Dave Canales, time is going to make them better. And so if they're 0-4... Don't think, oh, they're going to win two games. No, they, you know, they they might be. Owen Force terrible, but um, I, I don't think it would be time to panic either. I think perspective is something we're going to refer back to a lot over the course of the 2023 Bucks season. You know, in 2022, expectations were high. Bucks fans were spoiled, and that's why when an eight and nine football team with Tom Brady wins the division it still felt like one of the worst seasons we had watched in years. Like yeah, even, even though eight wins is more than likely more than the bucks are going to have in 2023. I don't think I ever want to go back and watch any of that 2022 team. Brutal. Like, Brutal. It, like even the games that they won, you know, uh, swept the saints it, it felt, felt dirty. Yeah. It swept the saints, but that game at home, dude, like I, I'm as diehard as it gets, but I was in the stadium walking out of the gate when Tom threw that last interception. And then by the time we got down by the pirate ship, 
you know, the boys were back in business mode. So we stuck around to see the magic, but like perspective is something that's going to be important uh, because dude, we have dude, seen... they, they almost lost to the freaking Cardinals yeah. with, with Trace McSorley as their quarterback. Yeah, like that game, that game. every win, tell me a win that felt clean besides Dallas week one. Besides, there, there was none besides Dallas week one. And I think maybe one of their best offensive performances being in Germany against Seattle. But even, then there, was, that game. even then there was a point in that <laughs> game that you and I came on afterwards and we're like, listen, you know, good win. Uh, but there, win were a win, of moments, <laughs> there were a couple of moments where, where it felt like it could have could have gotten out of hand. Uh, but we have seen worse Bucks teams do better things as well. Uh, we have seen. Was the, the 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 seven the 2019 seven nine year was far more enjoyable than last right. year. Right, you know, like the the last five to six weeks of that season were crazy because they were right outside the playoff hunt, and then like Jameis would throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and then the With next three week, picks, and, <laughs> and then like the next week, you know, it would be ten to nothing immediately because he threw a pick six on the opening drive, and then I don't know something else happened. Then they battle their way back. And, but all the yeah. way back in 2016, you know, we watched a three and five Bucks team who a lot of people had sold out at that point in the season go to eight and five. And it it's it, it's basically what I'm trying to say is uh, perspective is always important. Um, but it's important to use perspective to remember that throughout the course of an entire NFL season, there are ebbs and flows. There are peaks and valleys. There are highs and lows. Uh, 2020, the Super Bowl season. You remember when the Bucks were eight and five, and like they mm-hmm. were done, right? According to Twitter, according to any social media post you saw, according to any talking head pundit on ESPN, Fox Sports, whatever it was that Monday, when they woke up eight and five, people said they were done. They were done. There were tweets. I, got, I still got tweets. Steve, Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Fifteen minutes after they clinched the, the they clinched the playoffs, said they were going to get ran in the playoffs. That's like, my favorite. That's that's honestly my favorite clip. That's of great. Time. The yeah. people don't talk about that enough. I don't think. No, they don't. But uh, regardless, I, I think it's going to be an interesting season. But when we talk about the potential highs and lows, it's important to remember that we, we got a season full of them. So if if yeah, they're zero four going into the bye week. Uh, you know, the ship may be sinking, but it'll be a little bit fun. I think there will still be more fun to be had. Let's just not. (laughs) Let's just. (laughs) What? You know, kick, kick, kick. No, can we just not go in for? That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Um, That would would be, uh, that'd be ideal. So we don't even have to have this conversation about, oh, it's a long season and this and that. That, That's, no, like, okay, but I'm just saying it is a real possibility and um, expect some ebbs, just like you said about the season ebbs and flows, expect some ebbs and flows, especially with this offense, because yeah. there's so much new to it. And if, okay, they bench, they go in for bench Baker Mayfield and put Kyle Trask in. Okay, now you got to get Kyle Trask up to speed. Like there's going to be a lot of growing pains, I, I think, here. All right, one last thing about the offense before we talk about the other side of the football. Didn't want to spend too much time talking about the uh, wide receiver room because, again, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, outside of those guys, there's a lot to be said uh, about the receivers vying for a spot. But we're going to get a look at the starters. I'm curious to see. I assume Trey Palmer is going to be your wide receiver three running out there with the first-team offense. I have to assume. Uh, So I'm curious to see where he fits in. You know, if we start to see what more of a starting offense is going to look like, how are they going to use him? Is he going to be highlighted quite as much as he has been these last few weeks? Also, how long is he going to play? 
Is he one of those guys that's earned his spot on this offense now after back-to-back big games? Is he going to get the snaps necessary to, you know, to go out there and put up some more numbers? Or are the Bucks ready to let him play with the first team and bring him back? Devin Tompkins also still very much in the mix. Rakeem Jarrett after that monster game last week. Kalen Geiger still on the team. So I'm looking at these younger wide receivers and where they are going to fit in uh, with mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield and some of the first team out there running because. I don't think you're going to see a guy like Marlon Humphrey. He's already questionable on the Ravens depth chart here, but you know, starting safeties are Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams. You got Jalen armor Davis. It's not a bad secondary uh, for Baltimore. And it's going to be, I think a pretty tall task for Baker Mayfield in this offense for the time that they're out there. Yeah. You posed a good question. You asked about Trey Palmer. Like if he lines up with the, with the ones as like the number three guy, Okay, let's say Mike Evans and Chris Godwin played two drives. Does Trey Palmer stay in or does he get taken out? If he gets taken out, that tells you a lot. One, that tells you he has definitely made the football team, and that tells you they plan on him being their wide receiver three. If I had to guess, I would say Trey Palmer, even if he starts with the ones, I'd say he'd probably stay in for at least the first half. Um, I would, I would think, and then you got guys like David Moore and Raheem Jarrett and Devin Tompkins and Kalen Geiger and all the guys you mentioned there. But I do think that Trey Palmer is in the lead for wide receiver three right now. Probably now that doesn't mean it's locked up. I, I don't think it's locked up. I, I think if is anybody else, I think David Moore probably because of the veteran experience that he brings. I, I think both will make the roster. I think David Moore and Trey Palmer will both make the roster, but. Um, wouldn't shock me if, if Trey Palmer's out there with the ones as the wide receiver three. And that would be interesting, just like you said, to see how the offense looks with him as the wide receiver three. Do they do any sort of wrinkles now that, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Gowan are the, on the outside there sort of causing more of a distraction? Can Trey Palmer maybe take advantage of a matchup here or, or there? So, yeah, very curious to see that as well. So let's take a look at the other side of the football now as we start to wrap things up for Tampa Bay. You had mentioned at the start of the show, this is really going to be our first time all preseason that we have seen some of these starters out there. Uh, Guys like Levante, David, Devin White, Vita Vea expected to play. Antoine Winfield returned to practice last week, so he should probably get some reps in there as well. Maybe Ryan Neal cited over at the other safety spot. Joe Trashawinka, who I don't know why he wasn't playing, but yeah, we'll play. Yeah, Shaq Barrett will be out there as well, getting up to speed. So a lot of starters on this Bucks defense. I know we kind of talked about the expectations for the offense. Do you think the starters on defense play an equal amount of time, maybe less amount of time? Because, uh, again, you know, these guys want to get these reps. We talked a little earlier about some of the starters who may not need as many reps, but if you're the Buccaneers coaching staff, one of the things that I have observed uh, is that they're being a little overly cautious with everybody. So, you know, could both sets of starters play less than we're expecting them to right now? Um, I'm not sure, uh, because I, I do think they're going to be cautious, especially, um, with guys like Shaq Barrett coming off the major injury. Um, actually it wouldn't shock me if Shaq Barrett doesn't play because I, I, you know, just because of that major injury. So it wouldn't surprise me if like a guy like Shaq Barrett's held out, especially because they still have Anthony Nelson, they you know, want to get Yaya Diaby some reps. So wouldn't shock me if Shaq's held out, but as far as like, I don't know, man. Like guys like Ryan Neal, I think should be playing a good bit. Joe Trinchowinka should be playing a good bit. Greg Gaines, and like it's a shame that Kalaja Kansi can't fit in here right yeah. now. But uh, I just think these guys should be playing a, a good bit. And 
I'm not sure how they're going to balance it. Uh, I, I really don't know exactly how they're going to balance the ones on offense versus the ones on defense. I would imagine it'd be pretty close. Like, I don't think like you're going to see, oh, the, the offensive starters played two series and the defensive starters played the entire first half. Like, right, I don't think it's yeah. going to be that imbalanced. I don't imbalanced. think the discrepancy will be that big. But um, I mean, yeah, you could, I think it could be all about situations too. Um, It, it could definitely be about situations where, you know, if the offense has a turnover and the defense wasn't going to come out, right? Like the star defense wasn't going to come out, but the offense has a turnover. And now the defense has to work, you know, has to work on being like backed up, like after a turnover, like bailing, bailing your offense out. Maybe you throw in the starting defense there, but I do think they're going to be pretty cautious. I think they've shown that in the past of the preseason that they are willing to be pretty cautious with their starters. And while I may not agree with some of the starters, I do understand, like, it's like you said earlier, like, I understand why VFA is not playing. I understand why Carlton Davis, Javel Dean's not playing. It's just some of the other guys, like Ryan Neal, adapting to a new defense. Like, I think he should be playing a bit more than he has. Joe Trinshawinka, I've expressed this a lot. Like to me, I why is Anthony Nelson playing, but Joe Trinshawinka isn't? Like I, I don't, I just don't understand that. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see how they do it, and uh, I'm curious to see how they rotate and manage that. But um, it will be cool to see the the starting defense for the first time all preseason. Because like I said, you saw some pieces of the starting offense, but this starting defense you really haven't seen you know much at all. And this you know you consider Will Golston a starter, he could be considered a starter, but like it's a fringe starter probably I would say. So like you haven't really seen much, if any, of the Bucks starting defenses preseason. Yeah, I also think uh, having that starting defense out there is ultimately going to determine if Todd Bowles decides to call plays or not. He, he mentioned a couple of weeks ago that throughout the preseason, he has not been calling plays on defense, uh, has instead left that to the hands of his co-defensive coordinator. So if they go out there this game and they look great, then maybe he takes more of a hands-off approach. But I got to say... I'm hoping for some sort of answer from Todd Bowles, uh, you know, if not immediately after the game, maybe that next Monday or Tuesday, because I think any much longer after that is is going to be going to be kind of weird. I don't know. Just I feel like that's something we should know. But uh, obviously, that's something that's going to come into effect. Are there any players that you're going to be watching this week? I know that you occasionally put out an article for players to watch for Tampa Bay. We went over the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Trey Palmer has got to be number one on my list. Uh, But is there anyone else on this team, whether it's a player on the bubble or it's a starter who you think is is maybe going to look rough in some of the reps that they have been missing out on so far this preseason? Any players to watch for you? Well, uh, speaking of the article, uh, the article is done. should be out uh, either sometime tonight or tomorrow morning before the game. So keep an eye out on BucksNation.com for that. But um, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. Like uh, one of the players is Baker Mayfield, obviously, because he's officially a starting quarterback. You're probably going to be playing some of the starting Ravens defense, and you're going to be playing with a lot of your starting offense. So I'm curious to see how he performs there. As far as like a bubble guy goes, I mean, I, I think Christian Azian's healthy. Uh, I want to see him because, I mean, literally, he was called the front runner for the nickel job, and then you haven't heard anything. He's like, he didn't play on Saturday against the Jets. So I am I'm curious to see him. Uh, as far as anybody else, Jose Ramirez, I believe, returned to practice the Bucks six round pick. I was excited when they drafted him, but like Marquise Watts has been really good for them. So I would guess. 
Marquise Watts probably beats out Jose Ramirez. I, I hope they keep Jose Ramirez on the practice squad because I think he's worth it. But uh, I'll be keeping an eye on Ramirez and Watts in this one. Uh, then Nick Leverett, too, because it could be an important piece. I mean, if Robert Hainsey struggles or gets injured, if Ryan Jensen can't come back, Robert Hainsey got injured a few weeks ago anyway. He's okay, but he got banged up a little bit, and he's had the occasional injury. So Nick Leverett could, for the second year in a row, step into a pretty important role for this team. So I'm curious to see that. And then also, I haven't heard anything about if John Wolford's going to play or not. I don't, I didn't think he was going to, but like he's already practicing and stuff. So, I mean, modern medicine's great and all, but I didn't think it was that good. Um, So I'm curious to see like, is Trask, like they haven't signed another quarterback. So that either means that Wolford is able to play, which would be remarkable, or Trask is just going to literally play like 90% of this game, which feels risky. But uh, especially because, like, Baker Mayfield is not Tom Brady. Like, if Tom Brady struggles, okay, he's still going out there week after week. If Baker Mayfield struggles, you might do a change. And, like, if Kyle Trask isn't available, like, you're going to have to throw maybe John Wolford if he's healthy in there. If not, you're going to sign a quarterback. Like, that's that that's pretty risky. But uh, other than that, no, I mean, not many players to, to watch. And um, just hopefully, you know, watching a lot of these starters, that, that that's for sure. Yeah, we hadn't mentioned it on the pod yet, but a positive update from John Walford. He did return to practice literally two days after being removed from that game in Jersey and sent to the hospital. Uh, the information that we got, turns out he had just uh, re-aggravated some whiplash that he had suffered at some point last season, from what I understand. And he is fine. Uh, again, very next day. The Bucks were back in the facility. He was out there, helmet on, warming up. I do not think participated and 11 on 11s, but after that day, he's been out there full speed with everyone else. So uh, it would be remarkable to see John Walford go out there and play well, or well, play at all, but play well, just like he was before he left that Jets game with injury. I think he was four for four for 57 yards. So he, he yeah, was, and, and he's had a really good camp too. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's a good thing. Um, yeah. One more note before we wrap up, we talked about it on, was at the Monday show where he talked about the kicker battle being over and everything. Well, like three hours after we had that show, it was official that the kicker battle was over because the Buccaneers waved Rodrigo blank and ship. So they could bring him back on the practice squad. I don't know if they're just going to have Chase McLaughlin be the only kicker in the organization. Like I would imagine maybe you have a kicker on the practice squad. Maybe that guy's blank and ship. So um, it wouldn't shock me if he's back on the, on the practice squad, but I mean, sort of the nail on the coffin for him was missing those two kicks on Saturday night. But yeah, McLaughlin has officially won the Bucks kicker job. So cool. Cool for him. Yeah. So long to our golden boy. Rodrigo. Rod- well, I was going to say Ryan suck up, man. The, oh, okay. The, or Rod- Rodrigo. The ice man. Oh, Rod- Rodrigo. Rodrigo with them glasses, back. man. I think he'll be back. He's like, he's like the, the guy uh, in dodgeball that, that wears the glasses <laughs> when he plays, you know, the, the old guy. Um, yeah, but I mean, and speaking of like, I, I've talked about this too. Like, there's some pressure on Chase McLaughlin because Ryan yeah. Suckup, while he struggled at times last year, he saved the Bucks, man. Like, the whole playoff run, not missing a single kick, made some big kicks too. And then the 2021, he was good. And I remember, like, I remember after they signed him, I think I texted you or something. I was like, it's just like after they signed Suckup, I was like, 
it's another kicker where like they could be looking to replace him come week eight. And like it, that didn't happen. Like he was really, really good for them and a stabilizing option. So Chase McLaughlin, it it is funny how they got rid of Matt Gay and signed Ryan Suckup because they wanted to be more consistent inside the, you know, like the 45. Yeah. And now they saw they got rid of Suckup and signed McLaughlin because they want the stronger leg. So it's, it's like, you can't have the best of both worlds here. So hopefully McLaughlin can hold down the job here for the entire season. Yeah, it's been a while since, uh, you know, we, we've kind of had that consistent confidence in a kicker in Tampa Bay. Ryan Suckup was, was certainly, uh, welcomed with open arms by the time he got here. And as you had said, almost saved the kicking game in this town because for so long, I mean, it was just kicker to kicker to kicker to kicker. And then 2021, I mean, the Bucks had their Super Bowl title, but Matt Gay kicking you out of the playoffs. It was just, it was a dagger. So hopefully, just like you said, Chase McLaughlin can come in and live up to those hefty expectations. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. The final game preview of the regular season next time we do this. No, of the preseason. Of the preseason. preseason. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> here. Uh, the final game preview of the NFL preseason. The next time we do this, we will be gearing up for week one of the regular season. The Bucks are going to be on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. It's going to be a fun time. But let's get ready for Saturday night's game. Just like I said at the beginning of the show, Evan, we're not going to miss a snap, right? No. Nope. We're going to watch it. We're going to watch that thing till it's over. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, threads, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Excited to talk to you guys this weekend after the final preseason game. We are just a couple of weeks away from the start of regular season NFL football. Every day we get closer, and uh, every day I grow more and more excited. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wallach. We'll talk to you guys in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.